Welcome in. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. It is Thursday, January 26th. Magic off today. Win last night. Two in a row now at Amway Center. A dub last night over the Indiana Pacers. And now it's out on the road. We'll see the Miami Heat for the first time this year. Game number 49, the first of four matchups. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I have to guess the latest in the season. We've seen Miami for the first time. But that'll be Friday night in Miami. And then it's back home on Saturday, the old uh, home road or road home, I should say, back to back. My guest is going to talk some Miami Heat, going to talk some radio broadcasting and just some general broadcasting and, and probably some life advice in general. Uh, if I get my way, he's Jason Jackson, 19 seasons with the Miami Heat, ESPN before that, Ohio and Bowling Green before that. We're going to get into that, Jax. Um, yes, but thank you so much, man. I've admired your work for uh, for a long time from afar, and we haven't had a chance to do this, so I appreciate you taking the time. Jack, it's a pleasure. Welcome to the club, by the way. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you out in the streets eventually. But <laughs> the mere fact, and I, I should, is, is there a visual version of this podcast? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if there the is, if, there is if the social people in Orlando decide, uh, the fact that you rock that Buckeye on your wall to your left and the brownies to the back. Uh, you, you knew already we would be all right. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> sir. Um, where take me quickly through your upbringing. Yeah. I know there was Cleveland, there was Cincinnati or an sure. Ohio guy. So, um, but just, just go through that for me real quick. Just yeah, I was born outside of Columbus, Ohio, Delaware, Ohio yep. in 1972. It's my father's hometown. And uh, my parents uh, went to central state university. Okay. Wilberforce, Ohio, down just uh, kind of northwest or northeast of Dayton, Ohio. And they met there. And thank God. Were they in the band? Um, what's that now? Were they in the band? They were not. We're not. We're we are outside the Gary, Indiana loop. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but the cool part was uh, what a full circle life. My parents honeymoon in the summer of 1970. Was that the Fountain Blue Hotel? In Miami no, Beach? how about that? How cool is that? Cool. So I uh, we grew up. My father worked for the phone company. So uh, when the bells were broken up, uh, he had to decide between Ohio Bell and AT&T. So we moved from Cleveland, where he was Ohio Bell, to Cincinnati, where he decided to go to work for AT&T Sales Training Center. And so that's why my middle of my childhood, I got split. So I am a Browns-Reds fan. Which yeah, is see, a very that is rare. So that is very unique. Very rare combination. Yeah. Um, but that's I was a baseball player. And so I wanted to root for the team that I lived around because I was going to go to games and dream of playing left field for a team. And so it was the Reds for me. And it paid <laughs> off. Uh in five years I got a title. So that worked out. There you go. I started, I started with guys like <laughs> Uh, Dan Billardello and the I made Bo Diaz rest in peace and mm. Nick Asaski and uh, uh, who was it? Ron Oster at second base. Larkin just got called up. Yeah. Uh, from I think it was a Denver Triple A location, the Denver something or others. I want to say the Cyphers, but that doesn't make any sense. Um, right. In '85, and who's playing? A oh, Buddy Bell. Buddy Bell. Third base, and the outfield was like Indian Cal trade. Daniels and. Uh, who was over and right? Glenn Braggs and oh, Paul O'Neill platooning. Young Paul O'Neill, uh, yeah. And center field, uh, there was yeah. this kid who came up, Eric Davis. He was a monster, man. Who dropped his hands down to his knees and got him back up in position faster than any man that you could ever was imagine. Jacked, man. That guy, he was, he was intimidating was so as hell behind him. When yeah. He was up but there, man. Then they, were, they were all kids. And yeah. then uh, what was it? Um, Spuds. Uh, Chris Sabo. Yeah, uh, showed up and uh, 
Yeah, man. And, 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 uh, and how Morris over yep. first base and, and, uh, Joe Oliver behind the plate. It just changed in a little five-year period, bringing Lou Pinella, nasty boys title oh. in 1990, wire to wire. Yep. Bash brothers. They didn't have a shot. No. I mean, goodness, man, what a fun, what a fun childhood, uh, growing up in Ohio to Bowling Green State University, all four years. Um, Hi, Ziggy Zumba. I, my pops is an, is an alum. Love that. Uh, I'm a Falcon Flame. Uh, my wife is also a uh, nice. alumni, as is my brother and his wife. Wow. And, okay. Uh, which is super cool. And uh, yeah, my first job out of school was very lucky, man. I got to go on an interview at uh, South Florida's news station, okay. uh, WSVN, Channel 7. And that's right when they started the Bleed at Lead stuff. Joel Cheatwood was the head of news there and Rick Sanchez and Kelly Mitchell standing on the Iraqi map during, during the war. It was nuts. Yeah. It was nuts. I came in for my interview, Jake, and I, nobody paid attention to me. Like, it was like president Clinton live shots, new news. He was in town and they just kind of threw some tapes at me and said, uh, yeah, you know, who Michael Jordan is like a news person asking me, do you know who Michael Jordan? Uh, apparently he's playing baseball. And the Barons played a exhibition game against the Marlins for some reason. I didn't get it. Got but, it. Um, yeah, this is the winter of uh, 94. And I'm a senior in my second semester trying to get my job. My very first interview was at uh, a station I thought was out of my reach. I yeah. had three interviews. I, and they were all M's. Um, Miami, Milwaukee, and no, I lied, and Hartford. And because it was freezing in Northwest Ohio, I said, let me get the Miami interview first. And just get a feel for a big market, a big state. And then I'll be ready for, you know, Milwaukee and Hartford, which I thought was really more where I was You headed. figured that'd be more realistic. Brother, I got the job before I landed. Wow. It was Ooh. nuts. And it's because I could edit. Yeah. I literally, because I <laughs> right. could edit, and because I was an intern for four years, that's all I did was edit. <clears throat> I, I got this job with no on-air experience in the 16th at that point, the 16th biggest market in the nation. And you're 22. And, Dude, this is and I was out. 21. I didn't turn it, man. Yeah. I was I didn't turn twenty two until um, I think it was my first day on the job. So I did you feel like right then you were skipping the line? Like you like? Oh no, I knew I was. Oh no, no, I knew it, brother. I was running for. Like, yeah, I was ready for Des Moines or Reading or. Dude, when I came Uma. out, and I was Jax. I was an intern for the Magic the year I came out, but I was so I graduated from Ohio State with a uh, with a bachelor in journalism. Mm -hmm. And I'm interviewing for newspapers in freaking Northwest Arkansas. And I'm not even getting calls calls back, right? They got no time for you. They got no time for me. And <laughs> thank God for Dante Marcatelli. Like, I interviewed oh. for the radio internship. He's oh, my mentor man. all these years yeah. later. We, me and him are like freaking freck. I'm his right hand. And and we and we linked. But, dude, I went back to Cleveland, and I was working at a doggy daycare during the day. And yeah. bartending at night, not bartending, working at a in the in the kitchen at a bar with yeah. my journalism degree for the first three months out of school. And then yeah. thank God, I mean, it literally changed everything. And I remember telling my dad that exact same thing that you just said. I was like, dude, if I get this internship, I was like, the money, I don't know. It's it's paid, but it's Brother. I said, I'm gonna be interviewing Grant Hill on day the one. Skills. Right. <laughs> like, the skills um, that I'm you get from line, it, regardless man. of the cash, is it, it gets you where you're going. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and then eighteen months later, um, I got hired at ESPN because Super Bowl whatever number that was thirty four I imagine um, was in Miami, and that was back in the day where the two teams came to the site for the entire two week period. Right. So the Chargers and the Niners were here for two weeks. I'm on the air 
every day, all day. Nathan and the executive memes. editor at ESPN uh, <laughs> just saw me on TV. No kidding. Had no idea I was 23. But they, he was just there. He was in town. And oh, man, it was it was next level. Called me down to some here. Check, check this clandestine mess out. Um, my agent gets a call. She knows I'm under contract to Sunbeam Television Corporation. Um, and she said, but just go meet Bobby, Eaton, who was the executive editor uh, for SportsCenter at the time. And uh, he was in Key Biscayne. All right. So let's do the map of South Florida. So I got a meeting at 730 Key Biscayne. I got to be at the Broward County uh, Convention Center uh, because, bless his soul, um, Junior Seau was going to be the NFL man of the year. Yeah. And I had to be there at, at eight. <laughs> I missed the press conference. Mm. <laughs> so I got, there was hell to pay that day, but a critical interview. They offered me the job channel seven. Wouldn't let me out of my contract. Uh, they offered it again about three months later with some cash, bought my mm. contract out. And then I got to go to the worldwide leader for seven years. First year I was uh, what they call terrible. And then uh, I was, I, I remember telling my wife, they're not picking up my option. We need to figure out something like, I'm a, and like literally that week they picked up the option and it really gave me a chance to get better. Hmm. Uh, I've always said the most important point in my timeline in those seven years at ESPN uh, was the advent of ESPN news. Oh, I got to anchor four to seven reps, like a damn radio shift yep. nonstop Monday through Friday for a year. Yeah. And that just changed the game. I only reported at Channel 7. I never anchored. And so I get to this mechanism. And by the way, Sports Center, the late Sports Center was what I was assigned to, the 2 2.30 a.m. at that point, Eastern time. Right. Uh, it went to an hour, like three months after I got in. I'm like, oh, my God. Like it, and like it's nothing now. But it like it, it, then all I did was like one segment in the Sunday night show in studio. Everything else, I'm out in the field doing my stuff. And uh, so I was, I was miscast and, and, but fortunately I had that advent. And then, um, and then here's the fun part of my story, Jake, the, they, they all seem fun so far. Well, Keith Oberman <laughs> leaves to yeah. go to MSNBC the first time. And so the seat next to Dan Patrick is open, which I'm not even, I'm, that's not where I'm, I don't belong there at that point in my mind. Uh, but Kenny Main ended up being placed next to Dan for the old sports center heads. This is 97. I yep. think. And um, so Kenny left RPM tonight, which Reese Davis moved from NBA tonight to RPM tonight. And I moved into NBA tonight and haven't stopped covering the NBA for what is it now? 26 years. Did you ever think as a baseball fan originally that that was like ultimately your calling? Um, I didn't know. I didn't care really. Because yeah. like, I'd gotten to the dream rocket ship so early that I really didn't care about the assignment. But what I did realize when you do get a specialty show and you're not in the sports center or ESPN news rotation anymore, life is good. Mm. <laughs> like it's nuts. It, it is like you, you, like you dream to be on sports center and then you realize, wait a minute, we, we write all our own stuff. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. It was like seven hours of writing every it's day. Gr- it's grueling. And you're just man. like, Oh my God. And then all the information's coming. There's research staff to help out with post game, uh, full screens and all that. Type sure. of television. But I mean, you are cranking from the show meeting to make up to on air. Like there's not, there's a little time to eat, but for the most part, you're just, 
That's a lot. I remember that's when I first figured out how to type without looking down. It actually just happened one day because you're writing so much. And I was just looking up and I'm going, oh, I never formally took typing in high school or college. So Mm -hmm. it was that was a unique thing. And uh, no, so I had like a childish look at uh, at baseball and covering it every day uh, that I don't think I have anymore. I thought if I covered baseball every day, I wouldn't love it anymore. Yeah. So I didn't do, even grab like, the baseball tonight and that crew and or even trying to get out on, you know, the like third tier games. I was like, I love no, I love I watch a hundred Reds games on MLB extra innings every year. Yeah. And I love it. My entire summer schedule, like I will see you up until 630, and then I will see you at 930. Like that's how I work in the summertime. And people think it's crazy, but I'm like, I love baseball. That's yeah. the deal. So, um, but you think, but you think, do you still think that you would lose if you were, if you were in it? Would, yeah. That would, no, no, I would love like a little 50 game package with the Reds, like right yeah. now. Yeah. Right I don't now. know what step on anybody's toes. I don't think I can do 162 games. Jax, I don't, uh, that is a lot, man. I mean, that is so long. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I would just want a sliver. Uh, whatever, like a dog days, like right after the All Star game to like September 1st. And then I'm yeah. out. And then yeah. I'm out. Like, I just want to help. Um, and I missed the window. And um, so I'm a Brenneman freakazoid. Right. I love Tom. I know what went down, but I still love him yep. personally. Uh, and he's a magnificent play-by-play guy. And his father is my hero. Yeah. Uh, and so Marty became a friend. And when I got uh, the opportunity last year uh, to do radio play-by-play, play-by-play for the first time in my career, by the yep. way, uh, with the retirement of Mike Inglis after 25 years, uh, Marty is who I called first. Uh, Marty is a baseball Hall of Fame broadcaster and loves hoop. Nobody really realizes that. I didn't like, know that. In, yeah, in the eighties and nineties, he did some Westwood One stuff, and but he's you know he's kind of a mid Atlantic old school ACC guy, Love you it. know. So uh, I think he came up in the minor leagues calling games in Virginia on top of it, and so okay. you know he just he was just he loved hoop. And uh, edit this because I'm gonna tell you exactly what he said. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna, so you clean it up for the kids. Later. I got you. But uh, he said, "Time and score, big boy. Or I don't want to f- know you." <laughs> <laughs> That's oh so my god! I was like, oh, and it's so funny because I think it. I, before he even said that to me, I said it's the most important thing that that's never something that the listener wonders. Yeah. I might create some listener anxiety because I call a game a little bit different than a natural play-by-play person because I'm not a natural play-by-play person. I'm a natural host and reporter who is calling play-by-play for the first time in his career. So I've really had to learn to whittle it down, nail down floor geography, figure out stuff I want to say. But I can't say it in the way that I tend to say things. Um, I will take... 10 words to say something I could usually say in two. And that's just how my, that's how I work as a human being. Well, when the you got to fill up an hour on, po- on, when you got to fill up an hour on sports center and you're only used to doing a half hour, yeah. the flowery <laughs> language. <laughs> exactly. But as you know, uh, more than most, the tempo of a NBA game is excruciatingly fast. Mm. And you could give time and score and someone could have scored. I know. And it's, it is remarkable that there are some listeners who want it like 
They want it on the edge of the moment. And I'm like, don't you want me to paint you a picture? Yeah. Like, I'll get you the bucket. And I've learned to just hit them with the bucket and then give them the sauce on the backside. Because I would do it, man. I'm like careening down the lane, moving right to left in a Euro motion with the right shoulder higher than the left shoulder and extending the arm with the orange leather coming but off. Once they hear the crowd, they're like, you're late. Whoa, 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 where? Where, 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 where? So now I skip stuff now. Like it all might be in two different people's hands. Oh, they win every night when I call the game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is in our story. I mean, I'm I'm the gatekeeper, man. And I'm still learning. And I'm still learning. And I love to have something at at, I'll be 51 in the spring at this age and this long in the business to have something new that you're trying to get great at. And I want to be great at it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's synergizing. It's energizing. And I've spent the majority of my career as the third wheel. So I'm, I'm glad that I've left the date that I was not invited to. And, uh, and now uh, the leading voice of. Uh, it's of actually the Jack show. It is literally the Jack show. Yeah. I, I, I knew this would happen. I sat down and started to write a few questions to prep for this interview. And I was like, I had nine questions before I even opened a tab on the computer. And this is exa- exactly what I wanted to ask you about, because yeah. I am getting better. It's my first year doing it. I have a background somewhat similar to yours. Obviously, not all the television and high level experience, but all my I've gotten to where I am because of my personality and because of my work ethic and because I've done everything in radio. Um, And so and I'm not a a polished play by play guy. I'm not Dennis Newman or Mike Inglis. And I and I don't purport to be. So I need to have it be mine. But I need to keep in mind the words of the great Marty Brenneman. And, and I'm not, in score, big boy. I'm in score, big boy. I don't want to believe it. I don't want to know you. Yeah. So it is. It, I'm tiptoeing that line. And I get yeah. and I get feedback that is invaluable from people like David Steele um, and Dante and Joe Glass and my bosses. And 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 I know that that I'm in the right place. And I know that I'm doing the right thing for me because I'm challenged. Like you said, like it's. Yeah. You know, I, there, it gets stale, man. When you when you host for a long time and you're producing, and it's just, it's just it becomes what's next. You need you need to be a little scared when you wake up every day. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm enjoying it, but I think like you have the perfect perspective. Like personally, I don't want to listen to a broadcast and not get your personality. I love listening to you because I'm getting Jason Jackson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, it it is it's tricky, isn't it? Like you got to make sure you de- you meet the moment. You yeah. got to make sure you deliver that part first, and then we can kind of fill in the cracks, I guess. Yeah. No, I uh, time and score, I wear people out. Like, I, I after every shot, you get time and score. Same. Me. And then, um, yeah, the other stuff, I have a lot of stuff that I think is just fun. You know, and I'm just trying to have fun. I mean, how would you be at a basketball game? I stand up. Like, when so I'm playing I. games, I, I come out of my seat. So do I. Um, I don't pound the table like uh, the – 33-year voice on our Spanish side. I'll put him out there. Jose Pineda's worn out some tables. I'm here's okay, Jax. The away games, I'm when I'm because I'm at Amway Center in a little freaking glass case of emotion. Not even glass. We don't have any glass in there. There's no windows. It is right. me and my graduate associate. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just doing it. I gotta and, stop. And, I gotta and stop. And we have to be careful because we know officiating is hard. And that everyone's in the 90th percentile. And like, who of us would not want to be in the 90th percentile of excellence at our job? And I and I even said on the air one day, I'm probably 77 percent good. Right. right. 
so what am I doing? Barking but, at these people. But I know you prep, You said that right before or after you barked at the end. Right, right after I just <laughs> ripped into a whole crew and the bad night they're all having, right? And I'm like, I'm I'm classier this. I like these men and women. It's like hard, at man. a real like I really do like them as people. And then the job they decide to do, it's remarkable to take on a role where you just you can't win. Can't win. Can't win. And uh, and and the the very top of the NBA, they're so good. Yeah. I mean, when you watch the replays back, and you're that pro that plate of crow is coming right at you because you thought you saw it live. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, how good are we with replay? I mean, with replay, I'm getting up in that. I still mess up replay a great deal, but uh, yeah, sometimes. The but I love that, you know what? the challenges that don't get overturned. You're like, wait, yeah, yeah, I thought for sure. But I'm, I love that. I still love the game. Like just yeah. the game. I, don't, I hate prep. I can't stand it. But you got to do it, or you can't be right. ready. You can't be ready. Right. But I'm in my 19th season of calling games. I mean, being you know as a part of a broadcast team for a team, and and so that's a lot of preparation over the years. <laughs> and so I have no problem saying like that's the part of my job I can't stand. That's what they pay me for is to get yeah. the preparation done, and then calling the game is my extreme joy and pleasure. It's so fun. It's um, and I and I am there too because I, you know, I I have a journalism degree. I don't want to sound like a homer on the air. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, but you, it's very you work hard. For the magic. It's okay. I work for the magic. And, it's okay. I do think the veil's been kind of stripped based on when you and I came up. Like, like Joe Tate was not necessarily going to. He was going to sort of to to um, mask his homerism. Whereas, I mean, everybody knows that I work for the Magic now. I'm not yeah, working for but the that's a that's a generation separation. I think. Exactly. I think that was important to the 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 game callers that are a full generation before us. The voices that we grew up listening to. I think it was important for them. They felt like it was important to be impartial. Right. I don't know why, but I think it was super important for them. I am a Miami Heat employee. Right. The tenor and tone of my work environment is measured by our wins and losses. You, you know our saying, right? It's winning or misery. Not losing. Misery. And so when you come up in that organization, you realize you, you're, we have another line. We got a bunch of lines, as you know, down here. Um, you're either in the tent or you're outside of the tent. Mm, Jake, like you want to be in it. Yeah. I'm all wigwammed up, baby. I don't play with it. Everybody knows where I'm coming from. <laughs> yeah. um, I One of the things that I enjoy about listening to you, and this is – this speaks to you and, and your longevity there, but it also speaks to the organization is how much it feels like you are a part of the organization. Yeah. How I know when I listen to you that, you know, top to bottom, everybody that's in the tent, yeah. um, who is a guy because heat culture is something that's talked about quite a bit. Yeah. Something that I make fun of sometimes, frankly, on the radio, you're allowed, you're allowed, <laughs> you're outside of the tent. Who, I'm outside of the tent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, who is a guy that, that isn't talked about a lot, who you think exemplifies heat culture, pushes the heat culture forward. Not a UD, not a guy that we all right. know about, that, that casuals know about. Who's a guy that you can kind of pull and you're like, you know what, this guy deserves a little shine. I think without hesitation, it's Andy Ellisberg. Mm. Like Miami Heat, uh, Senior Vice President of Basketball Operations, General Manager, has been there since day one. He was a 
uh, college student at St. Thomas University when this team started, and he was right on time. You know, he came in as an intern and never left. St. Thomas, Minnesota? <laughs> no, Florida. Thomas, okay. <laughs> yeah, because I was watching St. There, Thomas, Minnesota the other there's day. There's one, yeah, right. In year, Miami Gardens. If I'm I got mistaken, you. Is the actual neighborhood and um, <sighs> such a kind man. Mm. He's 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 not super intense. Clearly competitive. Learned his craft, which is the cap, at maybe some of the most highest levels in the league. That can be argued what he's been able to do. What when Pat speaks about him, when Pat Riley talks about. Andy, um, there's a reverence there from someone we revere. So think about the tears of like just genuflexing. We all must do because Andy isn't Pat from a persona standpoint. Right. Right. But he is super important to the formulating of our teams each year, uh, connecting fiber from 88 to today and loves the organization and the job really is a part of his family. His entire yeah. adult life has been as an employee of the Miami heat. And he watched it go from expansion into the early part of the Riley era, which was, you know, just a real, um, it's the best way to call that early period. That was the foundation that was poured. Yeah. Right. With bringing in Zoe and bringing in Tim senior. And then, uh, and then Dwayne arrives, and you trade for Shaq, and first title, and then you cut the deal of the century in the summer of 2010, and four trips to the finals, and two titles there, and then you get through the next era of, you know, I, I don't really remember what happened in Cleveland, Chicago with Dwayne, but you know he comes back, and <laughs> what a beautiful, what a beautiful departure for your greatest player, and yeah. uh, all of this tapestry with Udonis. And then we get to this new era uh, where Jimmy is our lead guy. Uh, but here come Bam and Tyler as the new culture carriers. And so are we we might be set for another generation, which is pretty, pretty awesome when you think about it. How good is Hero? Like, how, like oh what's the, God. I mean, I loved him at Kentucky. Yeah. And I was like, this dude, he's got it all. It's it, to me. It was. It it probably could have gone a number of directions. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I think he landed in the right spot. I think it's it's kind of perfect to bring him along. You know, they clearly have a development plan and it's working. But he could be a perennial all star. I think. I mean, he is damn good. He can. He gets all three levels scoring. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that really changed before last season is that he mastered his handle. Mm. He has it on a yo yo. I mean, is it like Trey Young? I mean, like, come on. No, it's, you know, is it Kyrie? It's, the, it's that next tier. But he can get wherever he wants, regardless of what you're trying to accomplish defensively. Yeah. Anywhere. And he can make right baseline, left baseline, floater, jelly, <laughs> out to the elbow, the three, corner, wing, top. Like, he do it doesn't matter. He dunked the other day, and I forgot he can do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah, so, an athlete. Yeah, and now he is his footwork defensively. Keep an eye on this tomorrow. Mm. A lot better. And we play a lot of zone, as you know, but yeah, it's good to have guys that are just willing. You know, or you, everybody can't be Jimmy or Victor Oladipo or even as crafty as Kyle is. And Caleb's really created a nice leading edge of, of defense and being in the Heat's first five. But are you willing? 
to put your body in front of somebody? Are you willing to move your feet to stay in front of someone, just deter them from their path? Um, it's not going to stop everybody every night, but uh, sure, it's hard to stop him too. Yeah. So it does balance out a little bit. And that's kind of the big thing is, is shoring up that area. Um, yeah. Obviously, it, um, you guys are lurking. I mean, it's, I don't know if you watch Good Morning Football, but it, I just felt like it's sort of all season that you guys have just been kind of biding your time. So I'm sure the rest of the Eastern Conference is well aware of that. It feels like you're peaking uh, or at least sort of, you know, building towards mm. peaking at the right time. Um, before I go, this has been a freaking blast. Uh, tell me about us. What do you, you sit down and do your prep that you hate doing on yeah. the Orlando Magic? Are we, are we at least headed in the right direction? If I don't know what you're doing this year. What are you doing? I, it doesn't make, I don't understand exactly what's happening. Um, I've seen a lot of wins and I'm like, what was that the plan? Was that, I don't know. I like competitive people, right. And I like competitive scenarios and those are prideful men that are out there playing basketball. They don't want to see if they can get another Frenchman, you know, to swing by and help out. I mean, it'd be nice, but should that be your season's objective? That's tough, man. And you see there are four teams that are there, right? And that's what I love about the plan now. It's what I love yeah. about the plan. 26 of our teams believe they got a shot still. Yeah. 26. Absolutely. And it's, it's nearly the end of January. And I don't think that's going to change. I hope it doesn't change. I hope we look at two conferences with 12 to 13 teams all the way to our last game. What's that? The first Sunday? Isn't that Easter Sunday? April 9th. Um, Is it Easter? At 1 o'clock, right? 1 o'clock. And so I, I love it, number one, that you're that the team is doing more. I have not done the deep dive. I so here's the gift I give myself. I don't prep the night before anymore. I get up in the morning. And I'm not a morning person. Nighttime is the right time for your boy Jay Jacks. Yeah. However, my deep dive, my board building stories, I do that all. Starting at 1030 on game day morning I, I, on home games. I don't go to shoot around. Um, there's some young, energetic go getters. Uh, go ahead. Go get that road. I have to go to shoot around because staffing's different on the road. Sure. Um, so that it gets a little bit of a tighter window. Uh, so when I get into the data and the trends of, of each individual player, that'll happen. But I'm looking forward to a bank Seeing him with my own eyeballs, I'm looking forward to. Franz has made a has taken a step too, and Markel, you, I think you're going to be um, pleasantly surprised with Markel the way he's moving, the way he's playing. We got Ji back as well. It, yeah. We we got something. We got to keep the guys healthy. And you're right, the ultimate objective. I just I don't want to be spending March getting a look at guys this year. That's, no, that's why not win the games? I, I want fifteen to games on the schedule. Games. Right? That is uh, that's the important part. Last thing, because you just mentioned this, and something I've been thinking about lately. You said stories, right? You come from a television background. You yeah. know how to build stories into a broadcast. You did it for a long time at a very high level. When you're doing play by play, the story is in front of you, but. If Lord knows if it's a blowout, you need to. Do you actually block out like like storylines in your prep, and then even have C D block type storylines? Yeah, no, um, I do. I How do you do way. that? Yeah, I stole it from TV. So I have a, a radio format that I literally took from our TV. As you know, I still host pregame and postgame mm -hmm. on Valley, and so uh, I uh, I took my yeah my my entire television career and said the only way I'm going to figure this out is to do this with a plan yeah and the plan changes right but i also incorporate so i love ensembles in radio the old q morning zoo style of stuff 
is what I like to hear. And so when we created the uh, Miami Heat audio experience, I like, I just like names. I, I name everything. And so <laughs> okay. um, I was like, okay, well, we got this unbelievable veteran radio broadcaster in Tommy Ty. And at the time I had Jonathan Zaslow as was our local host. And then we were including him in the network show. And now Alejandro Solano, who is the executive producer of the afternoon drive show. <laughs> he is the executive producer of the dolphins radio network. And he is our, a uh, local host and contributor on the net, on the network Sounds show. Sounds like a guy. This kid is a heart. monster. I'm like, <laughs> good lord! How do I not give these guys opportunities on top of my partner, who was Ruth last year, Ruth Riley Hunter, Ruth Hunter now. She's just Mama Ruth, and uh, and now Amy Audibert, who we stole from uh, the Raptors. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's just I want a lot of voices, and so we just plot out where everybody's coming up, and there's times where they go, Jax, do you want to? I'm like. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Yeah. I am an appreciator of someone else working really hard to contribute. And if we can make it happen without it being wild, cool. The stuff that happens is, you know, angry, angry coach timeouts, right? And it, we get off the under seven and the under three. Those are the timeouts for the listeners uh, that are network mandate or television broadcasting mandated. Uh, everything is driven by TV as we know. So <laughs> we, we just ride along, right? Um, so those breaks, I try really hard to get out quick. I try. And then that leaves us usually about a good 30, 25 to 30 seconds to get a cool story in. Yeah. Um, I try to get in over three throws, but as you know, there are, um, a, I have, I believe, 14 reads that I got to get in. And so I do a lot of that over free throws. And so trying to get, and then I also have an analyst that has some thoughts that she wants to share. And so I'm like, I, I, I get it in more over road games because Amy is in the studio right, in Fort Lauderdale for road games. And I get a lot more on the road out of just like little quips. And I have the way my boards are set up, my spot boards is, uh, for your listeners. Uh, I'm sure you've shared that with them. We, we have their weight, their height, their age, where they went to school, where they're from. I have at the top and I color code mine because my eyes need to know. I like, I know what I want, but I want my, I want my eyes to go directly. Don't have to much it. time to go searching for anything. No, either. no. So last game is light blue. Uh, mauve is uh, a story trend about their basketball experience. Green is a personal story. Mm. Gold is uh, their season trend. And orange is phonetic spelling. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And you had so five colors and you I would it would take me a while to memorize which colors were which. Yeah. No, I I, <laughs> I, I let me tell you the first couple of weeks I'm going, did I what color blue? Not second nature now, but when Aww. I first started. And by the way, when I first started, I was doing it with uh with highlighters. And I'm like, oh wait. They've got PDF, that on the computer. Click. Boom. Computers like, can do that for you. Harder, not harder. Let's go. Oh man. Well, that's great. I could, uh, dude, I could talk to you about this for 90 minutes. Um, I really appreciate the time. Oh, man. Uh, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow or, uh, uh, when you guys come and, um, continued success, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. There he is. He's Jason Jackson, Jake Chapman here with you. It's been the mostly magic podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll have another one next week. Have a great week, everybody.